Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 39 this morning. Genesis chapter 39. I want to uh, share an account, just a quick account, from a woman by the name of Haley Ann Smith. No one in this room or listening knows about Haley Ann Smith, but let me give you a little background. She is a concert harpist. Any concert harpists? No, it's a little rare, right? And so uh, June 28th, just a few weeks ago, Haley is uh, driving to the Atlanta Country Club for a wedding. If you're getting married at the Atlanta Country Club and you have a harpist, the wedding's going to be pretty nice. And so as Haley's driving on I-85 in Atlanta, she notices that I-85 looks a little bit like a parking lot because there has been an accident. And so she pulls up, stops the car, and she waits. Now, she waits long enough that actually other people start getting out of their cars. Like, it is a long line of cars, and it's gone on for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and people are wondering how long this thing's going to take. And can you imagine Haley thinking, there is no backup harpist for this wedding, am I going to make it? And so as this thing goes on, as the tension sort of increases, Haley has a decision to make, and she does something a little unique. They actually took a picture of what she did, and here's what the picture looks like. She actually took her harp out of her minivan, plopped it in the middle of I-85, and performed a concert in the middle of I-85. How cool is that? That's taking, you've heard this, right? That's taking the lemons that life gives you to make lemonade, right? So some little kid over here said, lemonade, yes. So I I love that little saying, when life throws you lemons, make lemonade. Uh, And I looked at a couple of other examples, and I found one that I I like even more. Uh, Someone had moved into a new house in 2005, and they were celebrating Thanksgiving. But during the celebration, a new house, somebody took a tumble down the new stairs and punched a hole through a wall. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Punched a hole through the wall, and instead of repairing the hole, here's what they did. They framed it. (laughs) Classic. Now, I know many of you can't read the plaque, but let me read the plaque that they put under the frame. It says, First Thanksgiving 2015, medium hand in drywall. (laughs) Right? It's taking the lemons that life gives you and making lemonade. Now, it's one thing when life throws you a few lemons, you can make lemonade, but what happens when there's seasons of our life that you've got so many lemons that you're sick of lemonade? What happens then? Let let me give you a couple of examples. Has anyone realized that uh, we're under a little bit of inflation and costs or things are more expensive? No one. Okay, so yes, let me just give you a clue. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, gas is not going to be a buck ninety. Inflation is going to last more than a few days. It creates hardship. Those seasons can be long. Another example, when my dad passed away a couple of years ago, while I was grieving my father's 
death, I still had a few months in front of me of cleaning up some of his financial stuff that he had going on. That was not fun. That was not resolved within a week. What about this? When someone's diagnosed with cancer, unless a miracle happens, you're in it for more than 30 days. I spoke to someone this week who's facing a divorce because of their, uh, their spouse was unfaithful to them. That's a hard season. Anybody ever had a season that's hard? Anybody have a hard season right now? Yeah, we can all sort of relate to this. I'm encouraged in Scripture we can find many examples and learn from them of, of people who have gone through hardship. Let me give you a couple of examples. King David writes in Psalm 13, just imagine the emotion. I don't know what's going on in David's life, but he's writing this, this psalm to the Lord, and he says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You can almost imagine whatever's going on in, in David's life. This is, this is ongoing. Another example, maybe you know of Noah. God told him to build an ark because God wanted to deal with humanity. And so Noah's on the ark with his family, a bunch of animals. Many of you probably know this account. But have you ever thought that while they're on the boat, he and his family, they've got a bunch of animals. They have 150 days on the boat. He doesn't know that, but they're on the boat for 150 days. This is just where my brain goes. That's a lot of poop. That is a lot of, I'm an animal guy, right? So I know, like, I can just imagine that's a lot of poop for 150 days you've got to deal with. You're feeding animals. Animals fight sometimes. That is a long struggle. Another example, book of Job. He lost his sheep, servants, oxen, donkey, camels, his sons, his daughters. Those, that's a lot of lemons, Fast forward to the New Testament. Boy, isn't this message encouraging? Jesus even tells us to expect trouble. John 16 says it this way. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, some of you know that there's another half of this verse, and Jesus continues, and he says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's encouraging, but sometimes we live in the tension between we're going to have trouble, and Jesus is going to overcome the world. We, we live in a time that we sometimes have struggles that are ongoing. And I wonder if we could navigate them differently. I, I, here's why I think this message is critically important. I think, as I hear stories uh, from folks here in church or around the city, uh, I wonder if we could do better. And Jesus even calls us as Christians to be the light of the world. He calls us to a higher standard, which means that we should be dealing with things that are struggles in our life to a point that other people who don't follow Jesus look to us and say, well, how are you dealing with this? How are you navigating this long season of trouble differently? And our answer is because I'm a follower of Jesus. He calls us to a, so I think we have to do better. And as I explore the life of 
Joseph. We're actually in a series, the summer series. It's Joseph facing the twists and turns of life. I'm learning a few things about the twists and turns of, in, in my life and learning how to deal with them differently. Last week, Pastor Mark actually kicked off the series. If you didn't listen to that message, you should. It was a great way to kick off the series. And he talks about Joseph and how he made some silly mistakes and how it got him into trouble. Sometimes we do that. But today I want to focus on something a little bit different in Genesis 39, and it's when Joseph falls into a long series of troubles, not of his own accord. He didn't do anything wrong, yet he ends up actually in jail. Here's a little backstory. Joseph is abandoned by his family, literally. They toss him aside. For some reason, Joseph finds favor with Pharaoh, the, the ruler of the day. He actually uh, helps to serve some of Pharaoh's leaders. He's, he's a servant of that. But at this one point, we're going to pick it up here in just a minute, he's falsely accused of trying to sleep with one of the ruler's wives. He didn't do anything wrong. You can read the account. He's trying to follow God the best he can, yet he's falsely accused, and because he's falsely accused, he ends up in prison for a long time. And we're going to pick up this account, Genesis 39, while he's in prison. It says this, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Pause, just for a second. So Joseph's still in prison, but he's got some authority in there, and he notices that there's two people that have been thrown in prison along with him. It's the cupbearer and the baker to Pharaoh. Really important roles for Pharaoh, and yet they did something wrong. They're in jail now, and Joseph notices them. And we're going to pick up again in verse 4. It says, After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in the master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. It might be an odd way to approach it, but I've learned something in this text that is helping me in a season that I'm in right now that I think might help all of us. So before I jump into that, let me, let me pray. Will you pray with me? So Father, we, we come to you this morning. We, we would love help in navigating seasons better. And I imagine, Lord, that there are people in the room or people listening who have been crying out to you for help. So God, would you help open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to what you're saying so we can follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's what I see in the text. Joseph overcame challenges through, you can write this down, awareness of God's favor. Awareness of God's favor. <clears throat> Joseph's in a tough spot, in prison, falsely accused, did nothing wrong. 
We read this just a second ago. Something interesting is happening. It says this in the text. It says, but while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. Well, isn't that interesting? For some reason, the Lord looks down and says, Joseph, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to grant you favor. And if we look at the life of Joseph, even before he got in jail, if we look at the beginning of chapter 39, we see that the Lord was with him and helped him there. Look at this. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. For some reason, Joseph had favor from the Lord. Now, favor, it just means like the Lord sees you, and he's helping you, and he's comforting you, sort of guiding you. It's a great thing. And so the Lord is showing favor to Joseph in jail. I just want to pause for a minute. Maybe your brain doesn't go there, and I'm weird. But as I think of this account of Joseph, if he had God's favor, why was he still in jail? Like, it's one thing to run and, and, and sort of have some, but you're still in jail. Like that, I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph, on the top of my request to the Lord would be, hey, can you bust me out? Because this isn't fun. I'd rather be free. For those of you online, there was a phone that was, I just don't dance in the middle of fright. Um, I just want to be transparent for a second. I sometimes can get stuck when I'm focused on my biggest issue. Whether it's, God, you're not showing up in, in, in my finances, or God, I've got this big thing, and I need you to come, and I need you to heal somebody, or God, would you do this? As, as a matter of fact, I've even gotten to the point when there's struggles in my life that I've asked this question. Maybe you've never asked this, but I have. God, where are you in this mess? Because it doesn't seem that you're doing what I want you to do. Has anybody else said that? A few of you. I just want to share a truth. Just because God isn't immediately answering our top priority does not mean that he has abandoned us. And I wonder how many times when I say, God, where are you in this? Whether he whispers, Steve, I'm right here. Here's a few truths. Some of you know these truths, you've heard them, but I felt strongly convicted that I should share these verses because you're in a season today and you need to soak in this verse in the season that you're in. Matthew 28, Jesus shares at the end of the book of Matthew, he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus knows to the very end of the age, there's going to be struggles from now until then, and he promises, I, you follow me, I will be with you. The writer of Hebrews writes, don't look for comfort in a season of struggle and other things. He writes this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God is with us and God is enough. I need to say that again. God is with us and God is enough. We have to resolve that he has not abandoned us, and maybe, just maybe, in the, in the middle of a struggle, he might be doing something that looks a little confusing. Let's go back to the life of Joseph, Genesis 39. But while Joseph was in prison, look what happens. The Lord 
showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph, that would be a little bit confusing. I'm in jail. Why am I running it? Sometimes God's immediate plans and his action don't line up with my number one thing that I want him to do. He works a little differently. It even says this in the book of Isaiah. The Lord says this. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God works on an entirely different plane of understanding than our brain does. We cannot figure out God. He sees things that we don't see. He knows the best plans for us, and sometimes he will do things that are a bit confusing. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, there was a whole group of people called the Israelites. They were in slavery. God said, you know what? I'm going to break you free. I'm going to give you this great land. It's going to be amazing. It's a 40-day walk. You should get there like that. Because of their disobedience, that 40 days turns into a 40-year slog. Slog is bad. You can look it up later. Right? And, and they're, they're out there and they're just complaining, God, where are you in the middle of this? They actually say this in the book of Numbers. Look at this. The rabble, that's a small group of them starting to complain, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. I love this. Look at the detail. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. And look at this. We never see anything but this manna. God was providing food for them. He was providing bread from heaven called manna. But what were they focused on? They were focused on their problems. Tired of being out here for 40 years. But look what the Lord says in the book of Deuteronomy specifically about this. He says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. Can you just imagine that? 40 years, they didn't have to change their clothes. Or the... So you're telling me at year seven, someone did not go... I haven't had to change my shirt. My sandals are still good. They completely missed it because they were so focused on their problem. And often when God was with us in the mess, he is doing something. With Joseph, he was providing him favor. With the Israelites, he's providing them clothes and shoes. So they don't have to worry about that. And for our issues, he's doing something. We just have to tune in to what he's doing. You can write this down. Am I so focused on my current issue that I'm not seeing God's favor in my life? Am I so focused on my current issue that I'm just not seeing it? Here's a challenge for you and for me. And I'm gonna paint it in a, in a weird way so it sticks. Tonight, before you go to bed, while you're taking your clothes off. I want you to imagine that for a second. It's weird, isn't it? I want you to remember that Pastor Steve said, hey, when I'm taking my clothes off, I need to remember this question. And while you're putting your clothes on, you're getting in bed, I want you to think about, that's a weird way to do this, isn't it? But you'll remember it. 
I want you to think about this question. And I want you to pray about it. God, am I so focused on the issues in my life that I'm forgetting that you're showing me favor? Can you show me where that is? Because it's critically important. And just a side note, I felt it important to put, put this in here. If you're not a follower of, of Jesus, if you're just along for the ride, and you're really, really, really not following him, if you're honest deep down in your heart, and you're in a season where it feels like you're all alone, you do not have to be. You today can resolve, Jesus, I need you in my life. Will you come into my life, and will you help me? And he will, and you will not be alone. Joseph was aware of God's favor while he was in jail, and he didn't miss the opportunity. So Joseph overcame challenges through awareness of God's favor. Here's the second thing that I see in the text. Joseph overcame challenges through connecting others to God. Joseph's still in prison. It's not fun. He, he notices that two other people that are important to Pharaoh actually got thrown in prison, the cupbearer and the baker. And he sees them multiple times, but something happens in the text today that I've read before multiple times that I've missed. I think it's important. I think the Lord highlighted it, and so we're going to hit it in verse 6. When Joseph came the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, the cupbearer and the baker. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in this master's house, why do you look so sad today? Isn't that such a simple question? Why are you sad? And so the cupbearer and the baker explain, hey, we had dreams, no one can interpret them. And look at what Joseph does off this question. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. The first thing he says is not, you know, I've been in this prison for a long time. You guys are important. I'll trade you something. No, he doesn't do that. He immediately connects them to God. Interpretations belong to God. Tell me, let's see what God says. That little seemingly simple question that starts with why are you sad and an immediate connection to God, we find out later in the story that's the key to eventually get Joseph out of prison. Here's how this happens. Two years later, the cupbearer gets out of prison. He's restored back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer remembers something. And he says it this way on this dream. Now, a young Hebrew, guess who that was, was there with us, a servant, the captain, the guard. We told him the dreams, and he interpreted them. And so Pharaoh's interested. He gets Joseph from jail. This is two years later. And, and he's like, okay, Joseph, here's the dream. Will you interpret it? And here's what Joseph says, verse 16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He connects Pharaoh to God. He does not say, Pharaoh, I will trade you an interpretation if you bust me out of jail. He just, can, he like sets all of his personal stuff aside and says, I'll connect you with God. God can do it, sure. You can write this down. Joseph prioritizes connectivity to God over his personal problems. Joseph prioritizes connectivity to God over his personal problems.
I think the world is hearing a lot about problems. Our problems, their problems. We like talking about them. And I think the world needs more of Christians connecting others to God instead of wallowing and swimming in the mess. Do you agree? Three of you, okay. Let me try to make this point with a story as, as we close. We had a high school camp here at the church that was in Michigan. It was two and a half hours away. This was probably a month and a half, two months ago. And I was going to be speaking at the high school camp. And if I have to drive two and a half hours away, what I normally do, I don't do this every time, but I'll try to invite someone who I don't know really well just to hang out with them. for two, I'm weird like that. Just to hang out with them for two and a half hours. And so I invited a couple of guys, but one of them specifically was, was Drew Moore. Here's a picture of Drew. Drew got baptized uh, earlier this year, and he's exploring what being with Jesus means now. Like, he, he's got this desire to figure out, what does following Jesus look like? And so I said, hey, Drew, you want to go two and a half? Yeah, I'll go with you. So we, we drive, and I, I listen to Drew's story. And Drew's got the same issues we all do, right? Everything's not perfect, but it's not a mess. He's just navigating life, and he's figuring out the whole Jesus thing, and he's got this desire to pray with someone out loud. He's figuring out prayer, and he's like, hey, I wanna, I'd like to pray with somebody out loud. Well, that's great. We're going to go up to this. What better place than to go two and a half hours where a bunch of high schoolers are tired and they're locked in a room? It's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? We should be able to get you to pray out loud with the students. So we go up there, I talk, and then afterwards we have this time of prayer. I don't know that Drew ever prayed out loud with a student. And so we finish, and, and it just feels like something's not done yet. But we get in the car, and we, we drive home, and we're about an hour from home, and we decide that we're hungry. It's 10.30 at night. We're in some place in Michigan. And so we pull off, and uh, we're going to find a restaurant. We skip a subway, and we, we want to go to Arby's down the road. And so we drive into Arby's. Instead of going to the drive-thru, I don't know why we made this decision, but instead of going to the drive-thru, because we we're going to eat in the car, we decide to go in. There's no other customers inside. Have you ever been in an environment when you've walked in someplace that just doesn't feel right? Like there's nobody there, but it's just, I can't put my finger on it, but it's just not, it's just not right. We walk in, there's four employees in, like in the back-back counterpart, like in the, and they're talking and laughing. It's, it's like when we walked in, we interrupted something weird. And they noticed us, and so they came in, and the assistant manager, I saw it because it was on his tag, was, uh, was going to take our order. And so I'm giving my order, and he starts cussing. Not about me, not about the other employees. He starts adding expletives to my order, to my fries. Why are you adding expletives to my I didn't order the expletive fries. <laughs> I just want fries. It's weird, right? It's just, it's, it's an environment that you may not want to be in. Lord. <laughs> so we're in this environment that is weird. The assistant manager's cussing about food. We get done with the order, and we're stepping back, waiting for the food to be made. And this, this young uh, employee steps over behind the first counter. And Drew, who's with me, notices that she has a necklace, and it's a, it's a cross necklace. And so Drew goes, hey, I like your necklace. 
So I was standing there, I was thinking, way to go, Drew. Yeah, yes. And so this young lady behind the counter, she says, are you a Christian? And Drew, I asked him this later, it was the first time anyone outside of the people that he knew asked him if he was a Christian. He looked to his left and his right, I don't know why he looked, but he, he's like, yeah. I was so proud, like that was it. That, like we had crossed the finish line, that's it. And so we're waiting for the, for the rest, because the, there's no fresh fries, right? So we have to wait on the expletive fries to get done. <laughs> and, and while we're waiting, right, I'm proud. And, and this uh, young lady behind the counter is still standing there. And she, in this very soft voice, looks at Drew and says, will you pray for me? Drew stops. He's like, like right now? <laughs> she, she said, yeah. And so Drew asked, she said, what can I pray for? And she said, whatever, the, whatever God says. And so this is what happened. We actually took a picture of it. This is Drew praying for this young lady behind the counter who now when I think about it, she was a Christian in an environment that had to be hard for her. And God had orchestrated in the middle of this from a simple question, I like your necklace, to a point that she now gets a connection to God and Drew gets to extend into something that he so desired. He did not miss the opportunity to connect someone to God. You can write this down. Am I noticing the opportunities to connect others to God? Even when your season and mess of life is more than you want, are you noticing the opportunities to connect other people to God? Because for Joseph, that was the key for him to get out of prison. For Drew and that woman, that was the key for her connection to God in a bad environment and, true, and Drew's connection to pray even more. I know Drew's praying more because he he, we texted on Friday. He was praying for this message. He's, he's praying with his wife now. That'll change his life. So in our season, when we make those connections, what's it going to do for us? I don't know, but it might just be a key to your freedom. It is worth pursuing. So Joseph overcame challenges through awareness of God's favor and connecting others to God. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.